You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Elise Schaefer, and I use she, her pronouns. If you've been listening to the show, you know that we really value community here. Ruby Central has been an important part of the community for years, organizing conferences like RubyConf and RailsConf, as well as supporting the Ruby community through open source work like rubygems.org. In May of last year, that's 2023, they named a new executive director, Adarsh Pandeep, who uses he, him pronouns. Today, he's joining us to talk about Ruby Central. Darsh has been in the Ruby community since 2011, when he taught himself Rails out of real paper books. He has been a developer, consultant since then, working with small firms and his own company since 2015. Adarsh was on the board of Ruby Together, a 501c6 trade association set up to financially support Ruby Gems and bundler development when Ruby Together merged with Ruby Central in 2020 and 2021. He joined the board there as a director. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Elise. I appreciate the paper books commentary because I love paper books and I have a lot of paper Ruby books, which is great. I mention that only because I feel like it dates me and it dates the experience to 2011 pretty hard. It was really just before boot camps kind of took off, before you had too much in the way of videos. It was basically Stack Overflow and some very thick books. It's pretty different now because even when I look at books, sometimes I'm like, I'd rather have it just in a website, not even a PDF, right? I'd rather have like a website where I can grip and do stuff and yeah. So let's talk about Ruby Central. You became the executive director over at Ruby Central. Can you talk a little bit about what that's been like? Yeah, it's been crazy, but fun. Been part of these organizations for some time, which has been great, but really at the board director level, which is kind of a step of remove. You're involved in big decisions and you're involved in some amount of recruiting. And at Ruby Central for a long time, it's been very much a working board. So I'm updating websites and closing pull requests and thinking about all kinds of stuff. And so it's been very busy, but it's been kind of at arm's length in terms of operations. And since May, I've been really waist deep in all the actual operations of a nonprofit, which is a new adventure for me personally. And I've done sort of for-profit operations and consulting and turnarounds and things like that before, but this is sort of a new thing. So it's been a bit chaotic, but slowly over time, things have really been moving toward a really brighter future, in my opinion. And a lot of it is about making sure that the right people are in the room, that they feel empowered, that they feel excited, and that the work is delegated to them. and They can take things where they feel like things want to go. So autonomy, I guess. And that takes a long time. So I guess maybe I'm an impatient person and I kind of expected within a few months, everything would be really singing well, but it's really taken majority of last year to get the whole team where it needs to be. And now it's really firing all cylinders. So I'm really excited. Curious, how does the job at Ruby Central compare with the Ruby Together job? How was it to try and mesh those teams together? So at Ruby Together, I was a board member. And then after the merger, some of the board members moved over and some left And so that's the path through which I joined the board of Ruby Central. I have to be careful because I get them backwards all the time. So really, it was like attending 
monthly board meeting. And then Moving Together has been really Andre's project. And my job there was to be as supportive as I could to helping him develop a system to pay for Bundler and Ruby Gems and all of that. And so it was really not as operationally complex or there wasn't as much day-to-day work to do. At Ruby Central, the history of Ruby Central is really interesting. You can read all about it on the website, rubycentral.org. But the short version is that it was kind of run like a family business by Evan Phoenix and Marty Hot and some other folks. And they did everything. They planned everything. They signed all the contracts for the venues. They ordered t-shirts. They did all the design. They did literally everything. And then unshockingly, they burned out. And so since I joined the board and even beforehand, there has been a move toward, okay, let's have a more formal board. Let's have proper governance. Let's try to have an executive director instead of having Marty or Evan do everything. So it's been a series of experimentations. We've had a number of executive directors and for various reasons, it hasn't really clicked. And now it's me and I think things are going pretty well. But it's been a working board for a long time where people are involved, they're chairing committees, responding to lawyer things and insurance and doing all of the operations. And it's really this slow but steady progress in the direction of being a more formal organization with lots of good delegation and the right expertise and things like that. And I think we took a big jump forward in the past year. So I am curious, you talked a little bit about experimentation and we had a chance to catch up at RubyConf and you had mentioned about trying a bunch of different experiments. It seems like just in general in the Ruby community, there's been a lot of excitement and I'm curious, what are the things that you're experimenting with? That I think contributes a little bit to the excitement in the Ruby community. I hope so. I feel excited and I'm happy to hear that others do too. So I'm a scientist by training. I studied physics and chemistry for a very long time. So it's kind of just how my brain works. And I think it's partly why being a software developer agrees with me is because there's a lot of experimentation and trying things out and discussion and things like that. So for us specifically in terms of experimentation, a lot of it went into RubyConf. So we have been running RubyConf on and off for over 20 years. It's been a long time. The format has been largely the same. It's been three days talks and workshops and opening keynotes and closing keynotes and lunch and venues have looked largely the same. They've been in different cities, but it's been largely kind of the same. This year, we really wanted to think hard about why people come and what costs go into the decision for somebody to decide, you know what, I'm going to travel. I'm going to be away from my loved ones. I'm going to take time off of work. I'm going to spend money on the ticket and travel and all that stuff in order to go and attend this conference. And I think that in the context of a pandemic, we really wanted to make the in-person experience as valuable as possible in that context. So people were really coming in person to get an experience that you wouldn't get from just watching the videos. So a lot of it was based around that. And the co-chairs who were Chelsea Kaufman and Allison McMillan, they thought the roots of RubyConf are really kind of hackery going back all the way. And it was a lot of projects were born at RubyConf. Bundler, RubyGems were born at RubyConf, I think almost 20 years ago. 
So you can picture a lot of people sitting on the carpet, plugged into an outlet somewhere, just getting together and working on something or pairing or talking through some code. And so we wanted to facilitate that and to really connect people in a technical way. So we had a lot of different programming this round at RubyConf in San Diego back in November, where we really wanted people to engage in that way. So there was open spaces and we had all these different kind of hack spaces where people could work on open source and learn about different projects that other people working on. We brought content creators like yourself, podcasters and book writers and bloggers and all those folks together and said, hey, why don't you share a little bit? Or in some sense, it's like a support group, but it's also just a knitting circle. Like people with shared experience, put them in a room, give them coffee and some cookies and let them connect. So it really was a big change, especially the amount of content. I hate to use that word, but that's what it was. The amount of talks that we had was much lower than it normally was. And so that was an adjustment for a lot of people too. And frankly, it was like hallway track was like its own track, like a real track, the way that I think about it. But the only way to evolve and grow is to hear feedback from the community, try different things and see how it goes. And we heard a lot of really great feedback from this round. Did you have a chance at least to go to any of the newish shaped parts of the conference? Yes. So went to a couple of the workshops on the first day, as well as the like hack space. I really enjoyed that. When you walked into that room, just the energy of everybody, everybody was at a table working on different things. And I really appreciated that. And I thought it was one of the highlights. And I know people had mentioned it to me as one of their favorite parts of the conference this year. I'm hosting this podcast, but I'm also like very new to podcasting in a real sense. So like, I appreciated the podcasters roundtable, like some of the content creator roundtables, and just getting to hear how everyone else thinks about their process. We had a couple people who joined us at the table to ask us about what it was like hosting podcasts. And so I thought that that was like a really excellent way to just kind of interact with the community. So I was a big fan of specifically those two things, the Hackspace and the Podcasters Roundtable. I also really just appreciate the experimentation. There is a certain sense in which being in person is a lot different than being on Slack. Like I've been to online conferences before. Well, attended online Been kind present of at, yeah, yeah, me too. Whatever you call that. It's good. You can learn a lot of different things. You sort of feel disconnected from the rest of the community. Because you're just sitting at your dining table or at your desk or something, and you're on Slack and you're talking to people, but it's, I don't know, there's something different about being in the space in person and getting to see everyone. So I really appreciated that. And I appreciated a lot of the experimentation that went into this year. I know you sent a survey, any particular things that stood out that people enjoyed? I think what's missing from the online experience, just to touch on that quick, is a real human element, right? We are human beings. We are social animals. And I think that being in the presence of other people, especially people that in some cases that you've known for a long time, Ruby Central conferences have always felt like a family reunion to me. The people that I know online or people that I've known for a long time or used to work with or used to be my consulting clients. And it's just great to catch up with them and see how things are going. And year by year, you see progress in other people's lives and challenges and things like that. So that's really neat. Touching on feedback, we did get really good feedback. And I want to say first and foremost, I know people say this all the time, but the Ruby community is really special and very 
generous, I would say, in spirit. I think everybody saw what we have been going through over the last couple of years trying to do in-person conferences. And they have been very understanding and supportive. And the number one piece of feedback we got was, even if I don't necessarily love what you have tried, or it may not work exactly right for me, or there are some things I think you could tweak, everybody was very excited that we're trying something different and new. Because I think it sends a signal that we are interested in the attendee experience and we're trying as hard as we can to make it as wonderful and magical as possible. The community day and open spaces were a big hit, as was the content creators, all that stuff. And we did get a lot of suggestions for improvement, which is great. And it was couched in a very constructive way. It wasn't like people screaming and yelling. Usually there's always complaints about the food, which I think on some level we can't really even avoid. We do our best, but I think it came out fine. But there are suggestions for improvement, like the structure of the community day and signage, wayfinding, how do people introduce themselves? Maybe it would be helpful to know more upfront or in advance. When should it be, right? We did it the first day. So we pulled a whole day of talks and workshops on Monday. And instead, we did all this in-person stuff, this community day and open spaces. And there were ideas, okay, well, why don't we do it in the middle? Or why don't we do it as the last day? Or why don't we do it continuously in parallel as a separate track or just keep the room open? So all of that is going into RailsConf in Detroit in May. In fact, I just got off the RailsConf kickoff call and that was one of the conversations. And that's the thing is you have to experiment and learn. A lot of the things that we do in software are so valuable, like blameless postmortems. You look at what happened and if things got screwed up and you say, well, okay, well, why? And what can we do better next time? And maintain the trust of your team and things like that. So yeah, all of that stuff was really exciting. And the other thing that we got really great feedback on, I don't know if you saw it, there was a musical number that started on Tuesday morning. <laughs> I completely forgot to mention this. I love the musical number. The musical number was great. Oh, great. When the lights went down, I was like, what is going on? And then like, as soon as the music started, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. That was such an amazing, amazing thing. Was that recorded? Can people see that on the... Yeah, that was released. That's online. We will throw that in the show. That's a fun one. We do speaker CFP coaching calls. So before the CFP closes, we have open Zoom calls, which we'll do again. And so watch various online spaces for announcements. But we have veteran speakers from the Ruby world coach and answer questions for people who have never responded to a CFP for a conference or have many times, but not found success, you get all kinds of folks in there. And it's really a great vibe. And it's just nice. A lot of it is just reassuring people that their idea is great and that they should submit it. And while in one of those calls, Catherine Rickaport McCreary, I think I got her name right. She introduced herself and she mentioned that she was a Broadway singer and she had most recently played SpongeBob's computer on Broadway. And I was like, that is fascinating. And in all the time I've been in the Ruby community, I've always been aware that there are artsy people, maybe more artsy people in the Ruby world than elsewhere. It feels that way. I'm biased. But there are people who are into theater. There are people into bands and play music. There are people who are really into fiber arts and knitting and all kinds of neat creative side things. 
And I always just thought, how can we bring that into the conference somehow? So I just messaged her and I was like, we should talk. And then next thing you know, we're on a call and she was like, I really want to do this. And it would be cool if one character was like a surprising person who everybody would recognize. And she goes, oh, it should be you. And I was like, oh no, it should not be me. I know exactly who it should be. (laughs) I will get in touch with them. And luckily this is a person who is very experienced wearing wigs and Patterson. So it all went really well. I really just poked at it and planted a seed and Catherine and her team made it happen. And Aaron was a great sport about it. And I was really worried that people were not going to show up on time and then they were going to miss it. So I was walking around Monday night at various happy hours, just very cryptically saying, you should definitely be in your seat at nine o'clock in the morning tomorrow on the dot. And they're like, what, why, what's going on? And so I started this like whisper campaign, which I think worked. But yeah, that was another experiment and people really responded well to that. So we're going to think about maybe something like that or something different might pop up at RailsConf too. It was absolutely incredible. As an engineering manager or an engineer, too much of your time gets sucked up with downtime issues, troubleshooting, and error tracking. How can you spend more time shipping code and less time putting out fires? This is a question I'm always asking myself. Well, Honey Badger is how. It's a suite of monitoring tools made specifically for developers. It's the only system that combines error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron and heartbeat monitoring into one clean, fast interface. Sure, you can get familiar with any interface, but why waste your time learning some Franken-style interface that looks like an airline cockpit when what you need is clarity and speed? You won't know if Honey Badger will really save you time and trouble until you can see how it works in your own tool chain. With two lines of code in five minutes, you can see for yourself. Honey Badger automatically hooks into popular web frameworks like Ruby on Rails, job systems, authentication libraries, and front-end JavaScript. Imagine fixing errors before your users can even report them. Five minutes of your time with a free trial is all it takes to see if it will work for you. It just might be the best five minutes you've spent in a long while. Check out honeybadger.io. I want to touch on like a little bit of a theme in all the things that you're talking about, which is a little bit about your leadership style, which seems to be you just sort of poke other people and sort of encourage them to like go and do something and to figure it out and trust that it's going to be amazing. Can you talk about that, your vibe or whatever? Sure. I'm happy to talk about my vibe. I think Jim Remsick, longtime Ruby stalwart and hero in the community and organizer of Madison Ruby, he likes to call himself collector of extraordinary people. And I kind of aspire to that a little bit too. Maybe if I have any real skill or talent, and that's definitely a question, it's really noticing what's great in other people. And I can be a little bit effusive or really positive sometimes, but just being encouraging and saying, you're great at this and you can do it and how can I help? And really trying very hard to stay out of the way. I'm a meddler. I'm a person who likes to optimize and tweak things. And so I have tried very hard for a long time to try and just step back and let people do what they're good at. I can imagine that that's probably the hardest part is wanting to kind of be in the middle of it but also recognizing that it's better if other people are taking the reins. I can imagine that's got to be a little bit of an internal struggle. Yeah, although it's worked really well. That is the thing that I remember is, oh, these people know what they're doing. They have experience and they're better at this than I am. That's the big insight, I think, is 
understanding when other people have expertise and letting them use that expertise. And another thing that we experimented with, as I said, normally when we have these conferences, the board is working really hard during the conference, handing out t-shirts and checking people in, giving out lanyards and badges and answering questions and worrying about the coffee and all that. And this time we hired an external firm to who put on and produce conferences. And we did that. And so that freed us up to be out and about checking on people and saying, hey, how are you? Are you having a good experience? And seeing somebody that's kind of standing around and not talking to anybody and just checking in with them and saying, hey, have you met Elise? Have you met Jim Remsick? Have you met Andy? Whoever. Because there's nothing worse than going to a conference where you don't know anybody and then you're just standing there worrying about how you can get to know somebody. So that was another fun experiment. And I think it worked out really well. Yeah, definitely. We spent a lot of time talking about conferences, but also Ruby Central is doing a lot of things behind the scenes. You've been working with content creators. You've been kind of working with the broader open source community. Can you talk a little bit about some of the committees at Ruby Central and what they're involved in and like how that work has been going? Yeah, absolutely. The big piece of it was that we have added a number of people to the board. The board has been kind of in transition for a few years and we've added a bunch of new people to the board. We have a lot of people over the years who have said, how can I help? And frankly, the challenge that we've had has been not having built on-ramps for those people to help. Sometimes what people can do is be on a program committee. Sometimes it's their interest is in meetups. Sometimes it's in something else. And so we haven't had those structures ready to take advantage of people's specific interests and expertise. So that's the other thing I was doing at BCOMP was talking to people and saying, hey, we're trying to do our part to revitalize Ruby meetup community globally, get those back in person and happening because people really are missing that. And how do we enable and empower the local meetup organizers? What are their pain points? What can we do to be helpful? And so that committee is up and running. And one of our board members is leading that. Then we have an open source committee, which is becoming the steward for our open source projects. And it's starting with oversight of Bundler and RubyGems, and then it becomes, okay, well, what's our broader open source strategy? And how do we become the place where projects get abandoned? Can we absorb them? What can we do to help enable those open source maintainers? We have folks who are very interested in events, and those folks are advising us on different events, getting involved. Don't have the list in front of me, but that's basically what it is, is there are people who can contribute five hours a month. And if you can find a way to put them all together and empower one person to say, okay, can you make the meeting invites and can you set the agenda and can you make this happen? Everybody's already really good at work, right? And organized and great communicators in our community. I mean, I'm biased, right? But just getting them in the right place and saying, okay, look, here's the goal. We want to get all of the meetups that are happening around the world on one web page. How do we do that? How do we make it easier to find those? How do we make it simpler for people who want to put a meetup on? How do we enable them? What are their stumbling blocks? Things like that. And when you do that, it's messy sometimes and it takes some false starts. But as time goes on, it sort of begins to gain its own momentum. Again, because you tell people, look, you're doing awesome and the goals are clear and we trust you to push this forward. 
again, more experimentation, but I think it's working pretty well. And our constituency is you, the community. So our job is to connect and grow and enrich the Ruby community. And so these are all different things that we're trying to do to accomplish that. Is there anything you are planning in the next year, aside from RailsConf, because I think RailsConf is kind of the big one, but are there other things that you're working on that we should be excited about or keeping an ear out for? I would say that last year was kind of, especially after the years of in-person conferences being really chaotic and then having a number of leadership transitions and experimenting with executive director roles and trying to find the right person. This is really the year of stabilization and growth. Last year was let's get our hands around everything and let's get everything more buttoned up. And this year, it's really expanding on the things that we're already doing. RailsConf is going to be pretty exciting this year in 2024. It's going to be in my hometown of Detroit, Michigan, which I'm super psyched about. It's going to be May 7th through the 9th. And you can find all that at railsconf.org, as you always can. You can see the beautiful website done by Jim Rumsick's company, Flagrant. We are going to, again, experiment with some different things there. It's going to be a little bit more Rails-focused, I would say, than previous years and previous conferences. We have great new co-chairs. Ufuk from Shopify is there and Andy Kroll, who you may know from Brighton Ruby. They are new co-chairs and they are raring to go. This is another change where normally we had board members doing this exclusively, serving as the chairs for the, the conference. And now Ufuk is a board member, although he's brand new. And Andy is not a board member. So he's an external person with a lot of conference experience. So slowly, this is kind of the direction we're going is moving people from the board to be more directors and getting people with more expertise in the right place. They told me to tell you that the CFP will be up very soon. And I have a bunch of crazy ideas that I'm pitching to them. And I don't know what they're going to do with it. But I think it'd be neat to see an executive level how the Ruby CTOs of our world view things. So I'm thinking a little bit about what if we could get the CTOs together for some kind of roundtable or fancy dinner or something like that, video game session, something. One thing that the Python Software Foundation does is they have space after their main conferences for their open source teams who have traveled to have in-person work time. So maybe that's something that we might be able to do or facilitate if there are folks interested in that. The other thing that the PSF does, the Python Software Foundation does, and by the way, I've been ripping off their ideas left and right. They're so kind. They're really advanced. And I talk to them very regularly and they're great, very supportive folks. And they're kind of like our cousins from a language perspective. So it's really nice to chat with them. But they have a non-English language track. So they do one in Spanish. And I wonder what if we did one in Spanish or Japanese or pick a different language. Being inclusive is really important. I think the big one for us is open source this year. So this is the 20th year of Ruby Gems. So we have some surprises planned for that. Sam Giddens, who has been on our team for a long time, just got funded by AWS to be a security residencer, security researcher in residence. And that just kicked off. And so big thanks to AWS for that. And that's a full-time salary at market rates for a whole year for Sam to work exclusively on security, which again, benefits everybody. 
for me personally, that's a big achievement to have hired somebody as a W-2 employee to work on open source that benefits everyone. I've been working toward that and helping other people try and make that happen since 2016 back in Ruby Together days. And really it's Andre who's making all that stuff happen. So that's super cool. They're continuing to keep uptime uninterrupted for eight and a half years. They're serving terabytes a day of data. I don't know how many billions of gem downloads. If it were a commercial product, people would be blown away. But I think it just sort of skates under the radar. Sam gave a talk at RubyConf and I'll maybe have you include that in the show notes too. It's super cool. It's great to hear about all that work. We have other projects on the open source horizon cooking, although I can't really reveal those. We're trying to get to sustainability this year more than anything else. And to ensure that Ruby Central and all the projects that we oversee, the conferences, the open source, everything, are well-supported going on into the future. So a lot of this year is going to be about financial stability and fundraising and maybe creating a proper endowment and things of that nature. And then once we have that funding, then we can do all kinds of cool things, mentorship programs and get involved in educational stuff with the boot camps and start talking to universities about their curricula and people who are teaching Python, maybe give them an alternative to teach Rails. There's a long list of cool things that I like to do, but first and foremost, we have to get the financial stability to be able to do all those experiments. Sounds like there's a ton of things that are really exciting. I'm curious, but I won't prod about the surprises on the open source. Anytime I hear surprise, I'm like, ooh, surprise. Now I'm excited. But it really does sound like there's a lot of exciting things ahead at Ruby Central. And I'm personally very excited about a lot of what's to come. So kind of the last sort of piece, a lot of the things that you've talked about have been about bringing more people in to contributing at Ruby Central. If someone is listening to this and kind of wants to find a way to be a part of some of this stuff, maybe they want to organize a meetup in their local space, or maybe they want to be starting content or something along those lines, or they've got an open source project that they'd love to collaborate with you all on or want to collaborate with you on like Ruby Gems or something. What's a good way for someone to get involved at Ruby Central? Well, we have a page, our website that I'll link to here, which outlines a bunch of different ways in which people can get involved. And there are the on-ramps I was talking about before. So there's one for open source, there's one for events, there's one for volunteering, all kinds of stuff. Mentoring, doing the CFP coaching, we're going to add, I think, speaker coaching also. We listed as much of that there as possible. But if that happens to be maybe incomplete or out of date or just doesn't have what you have to offer, or you're not even sure what you want to do or what you have to offer, send us an email at contact at rubycentral.org or send me an email personally at my first name at rubycentral.org. And it's A-D-A-R-S-H at rubycentral.org. And I would love to hear from you all. We work for the community. And so we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to be involved. And frankly, like the more that we get people involved, the more everything snowballs. The more that we get volunteers involved, the more that it feels like their project and that they want to see it succeed. And so they start to tell more people and they start to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to this event. Do you want to come? Or, hey, I'm working on this project. Can you amplify it on your social channels or what have you? And even if it's a little bit of time or a couple of bucks or whatever it is, we're happy to have whatever help 
we can from the community. That leads us to thinking about the future. Like, where do we want to see the Ruby community go? What do we want our events to look like? And who do we want to see represented on stage and in the audience? And how do we grow and connect our community? The perennial conversation is about, is this dead or is that dead? Or It's just a dumb conversation. What you see at RubyConf, for example, in San Diego, half of those people were brand new. They'd never gone to a Ruby conference prior. And that tells me that there's a whole bunch of people that are brand new, that are psyched and excited about Ruby and Rails and all the other frameworks. And it's our job to make sure that they feel excited to come be part of our community in whatever way works for them. That sounds great. We will include links to everything that you mentioned in the show notes. So if you're listening and you would like to learn more about Ruby Central or find a way to contribute, or you've got a meetup that you would like to start, you can go and check out the Ruby Central Get Involved page. I don't know what the title is, but I'll link it in the show notes. You'll be able to find it there. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And this conversation has just been a total delight. Thanks for hosting. Anytime. You're welcome back. Anytime. This has been the Ruby on Rails podcast. It was a pleasure getting to talk with Adarsh and hear all about Ruby Central. You can follow him on Mastodon at adarsh at ruby.social. We're starting something new on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have comments about this episode, send an email to comments at the rubyonrailspodcast.com and we'll respond to those in a future show. Thanks to Paul, our wonderful editor over at Peachtree Sound for making us sound like professionals. And thank you for listening. You're a gem. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.